This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, June 11th, and today... We're going to be checking in on all four conference semifinal series with the Clippers in an all-too-familiar spot down 2-0 as they take on the Jazz. The Bucks getting a huge win to keep their hopes alive. And we'll look ahead to the weekend's action, including Game 3 of the Hawks and Sixers coming up on Friday night. All of that and more is coming up in just a minute. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. As we say hello to everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Raphael Johnson, Steve Alexander, who apparently has literally been dreaming of doing this podcast. Steve, do you want to tell us what's going on? Well, yeah. I always have this fear that I'm going to sleep right through our podcast. and <laughs> it has never happened. Uh, never once. Right? No, it, it never will. I have a very intricate and elaborate uh, alarm system set up, as we all know. Um, but I had I've, I've been dreaming about this podcast for hours, and um, so far we've done it from a a boat. We've done it in front of a campfire. Um, the Dahlonega Nugget newspaper. Uh, the look on Raph's face is priceless right now. Raph, the Dahlonega Raph just has Nugget, the most quizzical look. The Dahlonega Nugget local newspaper's editor's name is Matt Aiken, and his wife's name is Katie. Okay. Katie was at the camp. Katie was at the campfire in this dream where we're doing this podcast, and I like went to the kitchen to get a beer or a drink or something. I come back, and she was like, "Dude, do you even watch basketball? Like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "It's the off season, man. I'm, I'm I don't need to. I don't need to know if somebody's." Got a, a sprained toe in July. <laughs> it turned into an anxiety dream. She's calling you out on your basketball knowledge. Also, just a little logic collapsing in your dream there. Classic dream stuff with the, I was at the campfire and I went to the kitchen to get a beer. 
<laughs> well, we, were like out, we were out in the driveway like oh, it wasn't okay like, it wasn't out in the wilderness i thought you're out in the woods and you walked into a kitchen no but it was it was at my parents lake house like in the 80s like dude it's weird this is weird this is a weird dream raf you don't strike me as a guy who ever has any concern about oversleeping for anything am i wrong about that <laughs> am i reading you wrong that, that's not true oh, okay I, you project calm you exude calm yeah i i tend to have I don't know if you can hear. It's landscaping morning. Landscape day. Landscape day. Wait, it's landscape Friday with Raf. That's yeah. what we do. But no, it depends. Like if I know I have something to do, like the following morning, uh-huh. then there will be some anxiety. I'll set like three or four different alarms. But okay, yeah. For the most part, I'm using an early riser as it is, so it's not really that big of a deal. But yeah, when there's something to do, I'll get a little nervous about it. Okay. Well, you could not not be an early riser with the landscaping going on on Fridays in particular. <laughs> probably have to be up early on Fridays. So no concerns there. Let's start with the first game from Thursday night. An ugly one, but an exciting one. The Bucks, 86. The Nets, 83. They, they keep their hopes alive, Milwaukee, after, Raph, I don't know if you heard this, but on Wednesday, Steve and Jared we're calling Nets in three. They were calling the series over in three <laughs> games. The Bucks are now very much alive. Raph, what stood out to you from this one? I think for me, it was Chris Middleton. Um, he struggled mightily in Brooklyn. I think he shot 30% yeah. from the field in those two games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was much better last night. You know, maybe part of it being at home. other part is just he's a good shooter, a good scorer. So you knew he – you had to feel that he was bound to snap out of it at some point, and he did. I I think he's, I saw some of these conversations about Giannis heading into game three. I'm like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible in Brooklyn either. Middleton mm-hmm. was a concern as far as from my point of view. And we got a big night out of him. So that, that's big for Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, I'm disappointed in myself that I did not have Middleton in my DFS lineups last night. Because if you didn't have Middleton uh, and you didn't have Bruce Brown, you probably did not do well. Because everybody else had had the same guys, so uh, Middleton was the key to the whole thing. Also, what it was like a 1984 truly low scoring East Coast basketball <laughs> yeah. war last night, man. Yes, and it was. neither neither team shot it very well. Understatement. I believe it was like 38 to 36 percent in favor That's of the correct in favor of the Bucks, and really. That 2% shooting difference, thank you, Brooke Lopez, one of seven. Also, when was the last time Brooke Lopez had six blocks in a game? Like, what is going on? (laughs) It all feels like this was part of the the dream sequence that I had, Matt. It's starting to blur blur together. That 2% bucks advantage in the shooting percentage is the reason they won the game, not to mention home court. If you like missed threes, this was basically Bonnaroo for you. <laughs> Milwaukee was six for 31 from three. The Nets were eight for 32. It was just an absolute brick fest. And just circling back to Middleton, we said it, you know, we were talking about it after game two that he has to be better because, you know, Giannis can't do it alone. He has to have one of those guys playing great. And Middleton, after going 13 for 43 in the first two games of this series, 35 points, 15 rebounds as Giannis and Middleton combined for 68 of Milwaukee's 86 points. Drew Holiday was only 4 for 14, but had that go-ahead layup uh, that essentially won the game. So, truly wild stuff. Well, the, the whole, if you liked 
if you like missed three pointers, like this was the game for you. Like that's a great line, Matt. And then I also wanted to. We I think we should probably talk about the the telecast, the broadcast, and the the announcing crews as we talked about before we were on air because they're so great. But I just wanted to take a second and that that video clip of those two kids like holding each other and shaking each other and screaming at the end of the game when it looked like the bucks were going to win like that was cool that that's what it's all about man and that it was that was cool to see i don't know if you know exactly what i'm talking about i, now, I have the image yeah i thought i dreamed that but apparently it was real i did it's so good to see fans back in the building and these two kids just like shaking each other by the jacket and shirt and like slamming and yeah, it's so fun Giannis is on threes, four for 32 in the playoffs. And in this series, he's six for 19 from the free throw line. He did hit a big three, I think, to put them up 74-70. But, Ralph, I'm just going to say, I think we need to drop the three-point attempts down a little bit if you're Giannis. He was one for eight in this game. I think maybe we need to get into the one to two range in terms of attempts. Yeah. There's so much criticism about Bruce Brown and the shots he took late in the game last night. I had no issue with that just because – Obviously, Milwaukee doesn't want Kyrie or KD to take those shots. You can't just hold the ball and let the shot clock run out. Would you have wanted better quality shots from him? Yes. But I look at him and Giannis with the three-point attempts, almost similar. Like, there's a reason why they want you to shoot these shots. And by they, I mean the, the opposition. Because the percentages are in their favor if you do it. My bigger concern for Giannis is the foul line. Like, First off, he's taking about a day to get off the shot. <laughs> right. I think, you know, he, he's probably got his one 10-second violation of the series under his belt. I don't think they're going to call it again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're 6-19 on a shot that is supposedly free. You got problems. So that, that scenario where it might take an offseason for him to get a routine where he can have an actual rhythm because I think – taking so much time is kind of taking away the rhythm. Like the first two, he was woefully short on the first and airballed the second. You know, they've got to figure out something there. You know, all the talk about what happens if Giannis gets a three-pointer. He's got to take advantage from the foul line first. Yeah, and responding to what you said about Bruce Brown, I did think that the result was bad on that drive where he flipped it up left-handed, I think with like four seconds left. but. The setup wasn't bad. I mean, he's he gets mm-hmm. the ball with with an open lane to go to the basket. You can understand why, just in terms of yeah. basketball play, he took that shot. I mean, he's it, been great as a short roll guy for them too. Yeah, I mean, that's why he's out there. Yeah, they need him with James Harden hurt. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at that play, the last play where he missed that layup, it wasn't even really a layup. Like he just did a bad job of getting to where he needed to be to make that yeah. shot. But his trip on the way there was perfect. Like he he blew by his defender. He got into the open lane. He just, I think he just took the wrong route. But uh, it's yeah. funny. Uh, Kevin O'Connor tweeted last night that Giannis attempting eight threes in the biggest game of the season is inexcusable. Coaching malpractice to allow this to happen, unforgivable. And uh, I think I responded with something like. Um, the only thing Giannis should be doing less than shooting three pointers is shooting free throws. So, yeah. So by the way, what a shot by Kevin Durant with PJ Tucker draped all over him. That three that he hit, that was a ridiculous shot. It was, he shot just 11 for 28. He did get hot late. Kyrie nine for 22, Joe Harris one for 11 combined. That puts those three, I believe at 21 for 61. So you give some credit raft to Milwaukee's D, but 
it doesn't really feel like can they really rope Brooklyn into an ugly slugfest every night out? I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a repeatable formula. Do you agree? I, I agree with that. Um, like Joe, I don't think Joe Harris is going to shoot one of 11 again in his series. Like he had one shot from about 17 late in, in the fourth quarter where he just missed it. You know, that's a shot where you expect him to kind of make that, you know, coming right. off of a double team. So I don't think he's going to shoot that poorly. Kevin Durant, you know, his re- Kyrie, their resumes speak for themselves. So if I'm Brooklyn, I'm disappointed that I didn't win the game. But I'm a bit encouraged, especially when you fall behind 30 to 9 to start. Mm-hmm. And you have a chance to, to win it late. I think they're going to get a split out of, out of Milwaukee here and then and finish it up at home. Yeah, Jared and I are changing our pick to uh, Nets in four. <laughs> Nets in four. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Thank you for the update there. Let's move on to the late game from Thursday night. It was the Jazz 117, the Clippers 111. The Jazz win again without Mike Conley, again behind a monster performance from Donovan Mitchell, 37 points, six threes for the second straight game. Jordan Clarkson hit six three-pointers again, 20 rebounds for Rudy Gobert. And as for Mitchell, so he scored 32 in the second half of game one. 27 in the first half of game two combine those two and you've got 59 points you can't doesn't really you're not really allowed to do that but that's an impressive stretch from donovan I and mean, he's just dominating raf in a way that we're not seeing Kawhi leonard do and that's really i think the difference in the series so far yeah mitchell's been outstanding it, it doesn't matter who the clippers have put in front of him he's going to get his no matter what and that, that's technically what they need right now with conley out that being said, I really think they need to get Conley back soon because he's a, he's a great setup guy for them. You know, as adequate as Joe Engels can be, adequate. He's not Mike Conley. You know, and I think when we, and we saw some issues with that when the Clippers made their comeback. Utah really struggled against that zone look. They weren't getting the opportunities that they were getting earlier in the game. So if they can get Conley back, I don't know about Game Three, but Game Four. I could see them getting a split in L.A., but if he sits out both, I could really see this being 2-2 headed back to Utah. I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you there. Uh, <laughs> we're going office space yeah. there, It's at home now. You know, you're on the road. There's a, It's a different environment, you know, and I know we're used to the Clippers, you know, kind of having issues when they're expected to do things, mm-hmm. be successful and whatnot. Kawhi and Paul George really did not play well in these first two games. But as we've seen in a lot of these other series, getting back home can be a huge, a huge boost for a team. Obviously, the Clippers didn't get that boost till game seven last series. But I really think without Conley, we could see the effects of that on the road for Utah here. Um, a couple of things. The Clippers, for the Clippers to win the series, they will have to become the first team in NBA history to ever lose two games at home to kick off their first two series and come back and win the second one. Nobody's ever done it. Also, the crazy thing about the Jazz, like we were joking about Milwaukee Nets, horrible three-point shooting. If you like three-point shooting, uh, this Jazz team was for you last night. Like I can't believe how many guys on the Jazz hit what I would consider to be a huge three-pointer at some point during that game. The Jazz were up 21. They blew the lead, actually fell behind for a second. And then all these three-pointers they were they were knocking down got them uh, the lead back and actually won the game for them. Royce O'Neal 
hit a huge three-pointer late in mm-hmm. that game. Bohan Bogdanovich hit a couple big three-pointers. Joe Ingles hit four of them, one of which wide open, yep. uh, kind of a daggery kind of shot. Donovan Mitchell hit six of them, and Jordan Clarkson hit six of them. Like Their three-point shooting, combined with Rudy Gobert's defense and, and the, just the all-around play of Donovan Mitchell, like with the way Clarkson and Mitchell are playing in that backcourt, they can survive without Mike Conley, I think. And, yep. and if, I'm the, if I'm Utah, I may not even bring Conley back until we lose a game in the series. So the Jazz were 20 for 39 on threes. Um, I'm glad that you guys aren't the medical staff for the Jazz because this group has already had some dissension with Donovan Mitchell's ankle. You two seem to be in disagreement on Conley's hamstring. So we're going to have to sidebar this between you two to work it out. But uh, we also have to give credit to, as the broadcast was doing quite a bit, Boyan Bogdanovich's defense on Kawhi. He was all over him, Raph. I think it was Tony Jones who said this was the greatest defensive performance he's seen from Boyanda Bogdanovich in his career. I don't, I don't have that type of, you know, res, I guess recollection of what he's done, but we've never really spoken of Boyanda Bogdanovich as like a great defender. No. So what he did last night, that was huge. But I will, I want to go back to the Conley thing. They offer one caveat here: if the Clippers don't get Serge Ibaka back, that's probably going to be more important than Conley because God bless Ivica Zubac. <laughs> this is not a good matchup for him at all. You know, he had his moments last night, but defensively, given how active Rudy Gobert can be as a pick and roll guy, mm-hmm. having to run around with him, deal with the switches with all those three point shooters. This just really hasn't been good for Zubac. That's why he didn't start game one. It obviously it looks like, and if he can't do it and, Ibaka is still hurt. Where do the Clippers turn? Uh, Demarcus Cousins? Ah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe in stretches. But if you have to look around for like twenty-five plus or thirty minutes, I don't think that's going to work either. Yeah, and we're seeing the Clippers go super small with Marcus mm-hmm. Morris basically playing the five. By the way, he was off again, four for eleven from the field, zero for five on threes. And we've been talking about how they really need, ideally, they need Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris to play well to win. Reggie Jackson did play well. He had 29 points on 11 of 19 shooting. However, you don't want Reggie Jackson, even though he did hit some big buckets late, you don't want him to be your your leader in terms of field goal attempts in a, in a playoff game when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And I think part of that credit goes to Utah's defense where they were kind of going to make Reggie Jackson beat them a little bit. And he kind of, he almost did. Reggie Jackson played great, but that just plays into Utah's hands when the ball's got to swing around to, you know, Reggie Jackson and you're going to make him beat you. The fact that Reggie Jackson is the basically the now the team leader for the Clippers, like that, uh, I the guy couldn't really carry Detroit when he was in Detroit. He couldn't win that job outright against some marginal competition. The fact that the Clippers are relying on him so heavily, and Kawhi Leonard is the third leading scorer in that game. Come on, man. I I mean, I get that Utah plays good defense. And back to Roth's point, like this Bojan Bogdanovich defensive player thing, this is literally the first time in my 20 years at Roto World slash Sports Edge that I've ever used the word defense and Bogdanovich in the same sentence, whether on paper, on computer, or speaking. Like, 
it just it's weird and he's not that he's not good enough to shut Kawhi Leonard down and and I, I you've got to have Kawhi Leonard leading the charge it, because if you don't it's going to be Paul George and Reggie Jackson that you're counting on to get you to the promised land and that's those are the last two guys uh, other than Giannis at the three point line or the free throw line that I want to count on to get me anywhere. Raph, Raph, you got a big grin on your face. What's what's your response here? <laughs> that is my response. All I can do is laugh. Like, I'm happy for Reggie, you know, to be playing this well, uh, given how things ended in Detroit. But I agree with Steve. You didn't sign Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for Reggie Jackson to be your leader in shot attempts and points in a big playoff game. So, so yeah, yeah. Are, so are we putting are we putting this on are we putting this on Ty Lue then because yeah. Kawhi went eight for seventeen it's not like it's not like Kawhi shot eight for twenty five yeah I'm not going to put it on on Ty Lue but you know these guys have to figure it out for themselves at a certain point obviously it, I think shot balance works into Utah's hands you know because if you have almost an even split so to speak between those three guys that means that you're you have fewer possessions in which you're dealing with. Kawhi and Paul. Yeah, I think that helps out Utah defensively. There's a certain point where, if you're a certain on a certain tier as a player, and I put you know Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, I you know Trey Young, fine, maybe isn't as established as those guys, obviously, but still, same thing with him in Game Two for the Hawks. You can't be shooting 17, 16 times in a playoff game. You got to be shooting 20, 25 times, and. That's you can't so Kawhi Leonard can't go eight for seventeen in that game. You know, How, however good their defense is playing, you saw Kevin Durant shoot it twenty eight times, and that's what Kevin Durant should be doing. These guys need to be the focal point. They need to be shooting more. So I guess it does come down to maybe it's on the player to just be more aggressive. Go ahead, Steve. Well, and Kawhi Kawhi only had four boards and five assists in that game too. Like, just not a very active active game for Kawhi Leonard and. And going back to that list of guys you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, Trey Young. Uh, and Trey Young does belong on that list, I think. Even even Luka uh, belongs on that list. Paul George is not on that list. You don't want Paul George shooting. Like, he's just not proven to be a postseason guy. Like, he's, he's not a guy that I, I just don't think you can rely on him. Uh, in the playoffs and Kawhi needs to take this into his own hands like we've already said but between Reggie Jackson and Paul George put them in the same boat like I don't want to rely on those guys I mean Paul George Paul George did have 27 10 and 6 in this game and he was good but I get your point I believe in Paul oh you believe in Paul you want to you want to state your case I don't I'm in between you guys that's all I'm gonna say I I have been (laughs) I have been critical of him at times but I think let's not forget what he did with the Pacers. I know that was a long time ago, but he had some great performances there. I wouldn't put him on the same level as, as Reggie Jackson when it comes to not wanting to count on him in a big playoff game. But that's just me personally. No, I would agree with that. Steve, you went a little far there. Over the line, Steve. I may have <laughs> over I may have overstepped. Paul George is a step above uh Reggie Jackson. <laughs> many, many, many. At least. I think yeah, many. I'm gonna say several steps. But before we move on from this game, I just want to give a shout out to Joe Ingles with one of the luckiest makes you will ever see. That off the top of the backboard. Off the top scoop, of the backboard. That was, yeah. if you're a Clippers fan, that is incredibly maddening to see that happen. Also, Joe Ingles, 
to me, and what I've learned about Joe Ingles in this postseason is with the with the team awards they gave out and the, the camera time he's been getting, the interviews, man, he seems like a guy that everybody would like to play with. Him and him and Boban, I think, are the are the sentimental. Like everybody wants to play with those guys. Good guy. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. All right, we got two games on the schedule Friday. First, let's look to this Phoenix Denver series. The Suns crushed the Nuggets in game two. Mike Malone actually called out his team, said they quit in this game. I think they lost 123 to 95. So, We've talked about the importance of going home, Raf, as this series heads to Denver. Can Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets get back in it? Do you think we're going to see a a much different team than we saw in Phoenix or not so much? I think we'll see a different team to start, especially for role players. Being in front of a home crowd can be a a nice boost for them. And that backcourt really needs that because, I mean, it, it was an unfair fight on paper when you talk about Chris Paul and Devin Booker on one side then Facundo Campazzo and Austin Rivers on the other. But it, it's been borderline abuse. It was borderline abuse in, in Phoenix. Um, maybe it'll be a bit more competitive tonight. And getting Will Barton back, even though he's on a, a serious minutes restriction, can help. But those two need to be better. Monte Morris was re- pretty poor in game two. He needs to be better as well, so. Denver, I think their season's on the line. Obviously, no one's ever come back from 3-0 down in the NBA, so they can't afford to lose tonight. And all three of those guys need to be much better than they were in Phoenix if the Nuggets are to have a chance. I don't care what Jokic does. Shot across the bow to Steve and Facundo Campazzo there. Steve, how do you care to respond? <laughs> I'm not going to – I mean, I'm not going to argue with him, man. Like <laughs> – Either Facundo Campazzo or Monty Morris. One of those two guys needs to play great for for the Nuggets to have a chance, I think. And neither of them played well at all in the last game. I didn't have to send out any Campazzo nope. texts or Not tweets or slacks. I mean, there was nothing. There was no point in doing it. I think he made one basket. And it was just a, the Suns, man. I mean, props to the Suns. I slept on the Suns. They're, they're good. And Chris Paul... Point God is just killing the Nuggets. And the fact that Aaron Gordon had to yell at his Nugget teammates after game one and then Michael Malone 
had to yell at the Nuggets after game two. Like, this is not, this is not going well. We finally are seeing the absence of Jamal Murray catch up to the Nuggets. It took, you know, 10 regular season games and one round of the playoffs where they didn't really miss him very much. They clearly need him against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So I picked the Nuggets to win that series. It is not looking very good. I've sort of given up hope. But, you know, like Rob said with the Clippers, the Nuggets are going home. Everything can change at home. All you got to do is go home and win two games, and then everything is right in the world until you you go back on the road. So we'll see what happens, but I'm not. I, I'm with Roth, man. I, mean, I don't care if you have Jokic at this point or not. You've got to get better guard play. Chris Paul has 26 assists and one turnover in the series. Is that good? <laughs> the, what's that ratio? What's that ratio, Matt? 26 to 1. There's something about the Suns team that's just so surgical, I think. I don't know if you said that, Steve, or I dreamed of it. Like they, they almost like lull you to sleep or you're sleeping on the Suns. I feel a little bit the, that same way about them where it's like, you kind of underestimate him a little bit because Chris Paul's 36 and Devin Booker is really good. But I don't know. You just don't think of Devin Booker the same way you think of like a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or something like that. And probably with good reason. But he is a, he is a guy who can take over a game. And they just they're a team where they're pretty deep and they just have a lot of ways to beat you. And and they're well coached and they play good defense. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a scary squad. Very quietly. They, I think they lulled us to sleep during the regular season because DeAndre Ayton was kind of a fantasy joke like he was not very good and now in the playoffs he's playing like a monster and chris paul had it in cruise control for the regular season now he's a monster devin booker and donovan mitchell are are the same guy they lulled us to sleep and now they're they are all clicking on all cylinders i'm sorry go ahead ralph I'm just saying all the pieces just seem to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone has a, a role that is easily defined and they filled it extremely well. Now, for me, I think Cameron Payne might be one of the biggest surprises in the NBA this year because he was a guy who was pretty, he was out of the league before the bubble. You know, and Monty Williams reached out, gave him another chance. He played well there and he's taken the opportunity and run with it. So, and now he's been an asset in the playoffs in each of these first two rounds for the Suns. I don't think anybody expected that, even with his improved play in the regular season. So all the pieces just seem to fit well together. It, overall, it's a pretty young team outside of uh, Chris Paul and maybe Jay Crowder. So I don't know how far they'll go in these playoffs, but we haven't heard the last of the Phoenix Suns, that's for sure. Well, and also, last point on the Suns, uh, props to Jay Crowder, man. He stands yeah. out there. Like, if he shoots a three-pointer, I feel like it's going to go in. And and he's – I bet you he is a locker room beast. I, I bet you he gets those guys fired up. And he's got a lot of experience, a lot of playoff experience, and he, he's a great glue guy for the Suns. Agreed with all of it. Uh, let's move on to the Hawks Sixers game three coming up about seven hours from now. That series obviously tied 1-1 after Philly came back in a big way in game two. The other day we talked about the importance. I was listening back to our podcast. We talked about the importance of DeAndre Hunter, how much the Hawks need him back. It was, I think, hours later that we got the news that he is done for the season due to a torn meniscus. Steve, your thoughts. I'm devastated. It's, it's, I'm not going to call it devastating, but it's devastating. It is a huge loss. It would be, 
very similar to if Utah came out today and said that Mike Conley was done for the rest of the playoffs. Like it's that big only because we watched Tobias Harris come out in game two and just torch the Hawks for 10 minutes straight, hardly missing a shot, hardly being tested. And, and if DeAndre Hunter was healthy enough to play, he would be the guy uh, stopping that from happening. And, and nobody has an answer for Clint Capella. Or nobody has an answer <laughs> what, for Joe Embiid. <laughs> it seems like they do. Oh yeah, go Clint ahead. Capella. Clint Capella <laughs> is not the answer to stop Joe Embiid. But then again, nobody is. So what? What, what I was trying to say before I slip back into a dreamlike state, um, <laughs> we're, nobody's going to be able to stop Joe Embiid. It appears that so. Way. You have to be able to stop some of the other guys. Yeah. And Tobias Harris is a guy that DeAndre Hunter could stop. So it, it hurts a lot. Raph, what have, you, what have your thoughts been on this series so far? I don't think we've spoken to you since this. Wait, let's thing. get a non-Homer opinion. Yeah, we need yeah. a little perspective here. What, what have you seen from this series so far? <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. It, it's been a series, like Steve said, no one has an answer for Embiid. You know he's going to get his. You know, you're talking 30 and 10, couple blocks, night in, night out. So obviously the key for the Hawks, what do you do to slow down the other guys? Um if anything, I wonder if they're going to defensively try to funnel more shots Danny Green's way because he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn yeah. in the first two games. He, you he heard some boo birds out there during game two, and he missed he, he missing some shots. So I think you want if you're Atlanta, you want him taking those shots as opposed to a Seth Curry. Obviously, Tobias Harris. That's going to be a tough matchup for them. I, I don't think Solomon Hill can get it done. Oh boy, for long enough. He, obviously, Tony Snell, I think, was back in the rotation. No, probably not him. Kevin Herter, maybe no. in stretches, but not to the point where DeAndre Hunter could help them. So you've got Hunter out. I don't expect to see Cam Reddish again anytime soon. Yeah. Atlanta's really struggling for options on the wings, and that may ultimately be what costs in this series. I don't think it's going to be a, a fiver, but maybe six or even seven. That could be something that, that can prove to be too much to overcome for them. Yeah, so I think I you, have a, you hit on the big thing for me. Sorry, Steve. It's the Solomon Hill spot because he's not giving them anything. You know, I, uh, We talked about Jay Crowder probably being a great locker room guy. Solomon Hill, definitely a great locker room guy, a beloved teammate, but he is... He is not helping the Hawks on the floor right now. And if I'm Nate McMillan, I haven't checked yet to see any word on this. I would be starting Tony Snell in game whatever this is, three. I would be starting Tony Snell because early in the season, he was absolutely hitting everything. He's a good defender. And I'd rather see him shooting five or six threes in this game than I would would see Solomon Hill, Steve. Solomon Hill couldn't start for New Orleans. He couldn't start for New Orleans in his prime and he's past his prime and now he's starting for the Hawks. I have a novel idea though. How about Johnny Collins gets out there and shuts Tobias Harris down and works his butt off on defense. And like John Collins, I know you love him, Matt, but he's been, uh, I just, I, we need somebody to step up here and, and take the reins on defense. And I would like to see Collins, lose his mind tonight and play some great defense yeah collins needs to show up and i just don't think it's gonna happen he was invisible in game two what about from the philly side of things raf you know we've highlighted how great Embiid has been in the series the hawks 
don't seem to really have a prayer of slowing him down. I'm interested in Ben Simmons because he went two for three from the field in game two, just not really even involved in the offense. Do you think that is kind of the way that Philly actually wants to play? Just kind of hide Ben Simmons on offense, keep hiding him on offense and make it the Harris Curry and beat show? Well, it's easier to do when you get performances like Shake Milton coming off the bench. You know, so when you have that type of production to to call upon, you can deal with Ben Simmons attempting just three shots. But is Ben really that much of a scorer to begin with? I think the big thing for them is as long as he's distributing the ball, rebounding, and defending Trey Young, I think that you'll take whatever you get from him offensively as a bonus. But I'm not too concerned about Ben scoring or lack thereof right now, to be honest with you. He does so many other things on the court for them, especially if that bench can build on what they showed in game two. I wouldn't be too concerned about Ben Simmons as a scorer right now. I don't think Philly wants Ben Simmons at the free throw line. I don't think they yeah. want him shooting the ball a lot. And, and like Ralph said, I, I mean, if, if I'm coaching the Sixers, I'm going to pull Ben aside before the game and be like, look, you go – contain Trey Young. Do not let Trey Young go wherever he wants to go and do whatever he wants to do like we did in game one when freaking Danny Green was guarding him. Go guard him, shut him down, and I don't really care what you do at any other point of the game as long as you're playing defense on Trey Young. I I really think that's where they are with Ben Simmons, uh, at least in this series. Like They don't need him to be an offensive juggernaut. They're, They're going up against the likes of Solomon Hill, for goodness sake. So the Hawks, on the other hand, have to find a way to get Trey loose from Ben Simmons. So, I mean, they, there's going to have to be a ton of pick and roll, a ton of defensive screens set. They've got to get Trey loose and to where he can operate and, and get in his lanes because they Ben Simmons stopped him from doing that in game two, and that's why the Hawks lost. Well, Trey was 6 for 16, Bogdanovich was 6 for 16, John Collins was 4 for 11, add that up, and it's 16 for 43 for those three key guys for the Hawks. So I think we'll see a correction there as the Hawks come home, but will it be enough to get a win? We shall find out in six hours and 53 minutes, and I am once again absolutely dreading it. Back to Back to our point, man, going home does a lot. And means a lot to these guys. And the Hawks got to win in Philadelphia. I mean, the DeAndre Hunter news stinks. We didn't have him anyway when we when we destroyed Philly in game one. I say we. When the Hawks destroyed Philly in game one. You're dreaming again. I'm not, I'm not on the Hawks. Yeah, I'm not on the Hawks. Um, but they could easily come home and win these two games. Like, it could easily happen. The crowd, it's both games are going to be sold out. Tonight is sold out. Monday's going to sell out. Uh, the crowd's going to be in a frenzy. Our guy Bobby Rathman and Dominique are going to be there. It, it's just going to be an awesome environment. And I think the Hawks could win both these games and get, get back in it. Raph, final words or, from you. Take over, not get back in it. Take over. Final words from you, Raph? I think with Atlanta, what I'd like to see is maybe do some more with having another guard screen for Trey Young as opposed to having a big in those ball screen spots because then you're having to navigate two bigs that can be tough with regards to both the floater and the lobs. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you use a guard on occasion to set the screen, you get a better matchup there for them. I'm interested to see how they handle those pick and rolls because when you're dealing with a defensive combo of Simmons and Harris or Simmons and Embiid, that can be tough for a smaller guard to navigate. All right. I like it. Let's let's uh, That's something to look for in game three. 
Thanks to Steve for raising his hand. What's up? You got one more thing? I last thing, uh, my buddy CJ Wengler, Golden Tee number five in the world, Golden Tee player, is playing in a tournament in St. Louis right now, and I could not be there. I, I, I was hoping to make it my first Golden Tee tournament. They're in St. Louis. He's trying to win the whole thing. It's a big deal, and uh, good luck to him. Nice. Just quickly, how do you get into a Golden Tee tournament? Like, what do you? Can you just enter, or do you have to you, show some credentials? Yeah, you just enter. No, you can just enter. Okay, you, I think you just walk in and enter. But you risk being <laughs> laughed out of there if you if you're not good enough. That's the risk. Yeah. Okay. For sure. For sure. Got it. All right. Well, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast on Spotify wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We are back on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. I want to say thanks to everyone watching live with us on YouTube and listening on the podcast. Steve, Raf, thanks to both of you guys. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you on Monday. Thank you. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.